still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. And in every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul. Your God will undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know his voice, who ruled them while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul. The hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul. When change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. May this be our prayer for today. Amen. Uh, Our speaker for today, you all know and love, well, yeah, maybe, don't push it. Uh, Can you please help me welcome Mr. Goldie to the stage? I think only those of you who are my students clapped for an increased grade. Thank you, and you got it. I see who it is. Hey, guys. Um, Let me say a word of prayer for us uh, this morning to open. God, um, I need you this morning to give me guidance and wisdom. Uh, I need you every day. We all do every day. Lord, um, our world is a complicated, complicated place. Um, Your teachings are complicated. Each one of us is complicated. Relationships are complicated. Um, You know this much better than us. And God, we need your guidance and your wisdom to direct us through those complications. God, um, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are present with us. You promise your presence that through thick and through thin, through highs and through lows, just as Mr. Kettler just read, you are present with us. You are our rest. You are our peace. Already, uh, Lord, I know and sense um, so much chaos and so many things have happened in these guys' lives, and you know and are aware of every little thing good and bad, that's happened with them and with me. And because of that, we need your guidance, Lord. Uh, give us an understanding, a deeper understanding of how to connect with others in a way that pleases you, to love others well. We need your wisdom. Uh, this morning, Lord, please bless my words and be present with them. May your spirit just rest on this place. And God, I want to ask and pray against uh, the enemy. We know that you are the victorious one, the ruler 
and the sustainer of our world. So we trust, Lord, that you can protect us, and I plead with you to protect all these students, staff, faculty, and myself, and us as a community from the lies of the enemy, the messages of the world, that, God, you would give us clear minds, you'd give us clear hearts to see truth. We pray this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. So there is a story that many of you are probably familiar with of um, an ancient ruler who, like a president, uh, had a son. And the son uh, was going to take over for the kingdom when that ruler passed away. Uh, But then there was another person who, uh, because the ruler started falling apart mentally a little bit and spiritually, losing some confidence, in the end, uh, somebody else was chosen to be a leader. Now, you'd think if you've got a ruler with a son, and the ruler's falling apart, that the son would be pretty pumped about that fact because they're going to take over. Like, they're going to get the power, okay? Uh, and all the things that come with being a ruler. Uh, and yet, this other person's chosen. And this other person, in the end, is a kind of a hero, a respectable person. And the son instead decides they really like this guy. They're pretty attached to him. Uh, some of you might be um, thinking, when you look up here and you have an initial impression of like the word that I just used up here, friendship, right? You're like, oh man, this is, if you're like me, if I were sitting where you're sitting and I saw the word friendship up here and, and heard a story about like a ruler and, and if I said king even, you'd be like, oh man, this is going to be cheesy, <laughs> okay? Because friendship typically, like I don't know what it is, but like there's something about friendship, like when you talk about it, that it tends to be kind of corny or tends to be kind of cheesy or it tends to be like you hear a lot of cliches. And my hope this morning is to give you a little bit of a picture of some things about friendship that might be helpful to you. Um, and I think that this picture that we get of this ruler um, comes from 1 Samuel 18. Um, and the ruler, of course, is Saul and his son. Does anybody know the, same, the name of the son, by the way? Teacher kicking in. Anybody know Saul's son? Jonathan, yeah. And, uh, of course, the guy who was chosen to be the ruler instead of him is David. Jonathan, it says in, in 1 Samuel 18.3, this, this relationship always jumped out to me. It was very interesting. Um, but it says that he loved David as himself. He loved David as himself. Um, that's a great picture of friendship. It's a great picture of, like, a good relationship. Um, the reality, too, is, like, I'm not going to pretend when I, um, so, so what I really want to do is, like, give you guys a good picture of, like, what does that mean to love someone as yourself, and how do you, like, do this friendship thing um, and not end up lonely and friendless like me? <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, uh, you guys, I, I, I've learned, I feel like, some things, and I've got a, long thing, a lot, of, lot to learn still when it comes to friends. I've been blessed with a lot of friends in my life. I would say my best friend, who actually gave me a good deal of input even for tonight's or today's talk with you guys, uh, by far, my best friend in life is my wife. No question. Um, she, I can talk to about anything um, and everything in my life. We talk for hours every day. I never get tired of talking with her. Um, and so a lot of what I'm sharing with you has come from 
my relationship uh, with her studies, um, and also relationship with some of the, the men in this room. But I want to share with you some of the things that, that maybe, if they're helpful, uh, yeah, that I've gleaned to pass along to you. Because I also felt a little bit like um, I was going to uh, speak with you guys too today on like worry and anxiety, and then Eric spoke on that last week. But I also thought, you know, at the beginning of the year, you guys are starting to form connections with other people. You're seeing people maybe for the first time in six months you haven't seen. Um, and you're sort of feeling like, well, who are, who are my, who's my crew? Who are my people? Who am I going to hang out with? Um, and how do you go about that? Like, because the reality is um, we need friendship. Uh, why do we need it? Ultimately, because you and I, as you know, are not made to be alone. And I don't think that's just about marriage, that passage. I think it means um, you and I are not wired. We're not hardwired to do things on our own. And you guys may be, um, even as I bring up the issue of friendship, some of you may be even thinking like, you know, the reality is, Goldie, um, that hasn't gone well for me. I've been hurt by this process of friendship. Um, I've had some pretty negative experiences. And I kind of decided I think I could do this on my own. I don't need friends. I'm good. That's a lie. Fortunately or unfortunately, you need friendship. You're wired for it. God in the Trinity, said, let us make man in our image. And he says, it's not good for you to be alone. You can't do life on your own, guys and gals. I think you, for the most part, you know this, but some of you maybe have gone through that phase or you feel that sometimes, like, no, I don't need it, I'm good, because um, it's too difficult, it's too painful, Um, it's hard, I can't seem to find good people to connect with, whatever. Uh, People that are like me, people that that I really enjoy being around. So the first thing um, about why you need it is ultimately uh, because that's how you're wired and you can't help it. It's just part of being human. It's part of the way God made you is that you're wired for friendship. The second thing is, you guys know this to be true. Uh, maybe you've heard this, ad, this, this phrase before, this old adage. It says, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, scripturally speaking, we could say things like this. If you walk with the wise, you become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Your friends probably shape and form you, arguably, maybe more than any other force in your life right now. Maybe more than music. I'd say for sure more than teachers. And probably as, as high school students, more than maybe at this stage of life, your parents. Your friends are shaping you. And so the question I'd ask is, you, you need friends. So first of all, this, this conversation is really important because you need them. And second of all, uh, they're going to shape like who you are. So when you look at, at your friends, the question is, what kind of person are you becoming? Well, show me your friends, I'll, I'll show you your future. If you walk with those who are wise, you'll become, it sort of rubs off on you a little bit. Um, so does foolishness. Second Corinthians says, don't be bound together with unbelievers because what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? So there's this, you need to think about friendship. Um, You need it because in the end, who you have fellowship with will form and shape who you are, light or dark, wise or foolish. It's a little fuzzy, but blessed is the man, and you guys maybe have memorized this one, right? Psalm 1, 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So um, you need friends because you're just wired, you know, to have them. You need friends uh, because in the end, they're going to shape and form who you are. Um, And 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be fooled, you guys. Bad company is going to corrupt you. 
In the same way that walking with those who are wise will make you wise, if you hang out with those who are making poor decisions, who have no spiritual life and no connection with God, um, that's going to rub off on you. It's going to make it difficult for you to be wise, to walk in the light, to walk with God. Uh, It's going to make it difficult for you to be a good person. Does that make sense? And for the most part, I think you guys know this, but I just would pause here to say, but are you, are you living that out? So um, you need friends because they're shaping and forming who you are. You're wired to be in company. And I just wonder, who, who are you becoming when you look around you? You can't escape the fact that your friends will shape you. Um, you guys, this is my journey through and through. Um, I would say in my own high school years, um, my friends changed almost every single year as far as who I spent a good chunk of time with. My freshman year, the, ones, the people that, that I hung out with, the guys I hung out with freshman year, were not the ones I was hanging out with sophomore year, and those weren't the ones I was hanging out with junior year, and those kind of weren't the ones I was hanging out with senior year. There were some that kind of went all the way through, and there was one in particular that has uh, been there through thick and through thin with me since junior high all the way up until now, um, and I'm, I might share a little bit about that particular friendship, but I'm just saying... Friends come and go and shift, and so that's also why I'm addressing this to say, like, well, so who, who is it that you're choosing to surround yourself with? Because that really matters. Um, it really matters. But here's the problem. Uh, a lot of you feel like, okay, Goldie, I know that's true. I know it's important. I know I'm wired that way. In the end, I know that like, that's going to shape and form who I am, but um, I just feel like I can't find that. I can't find well, there's a number, a number of reasons, I think, that we lack um, friendship, why we lack friends, okay? Um, and I want to I start with this. Uh, I think that the fundamental reason you don't lack true and good friendship is a lack of rootedness in Christ. I firmly believe this, and I, and I hope that maybe by the end of me talking the next little bit of time, you can get a, grasp, a glimpse of this. Uh, because I'll just say it now, and I'll say it again later, but um, you don't really acquire friends by looking for them. You find friends by being connected with God and pursuing who he's made you to be. If you're rooted in Christ, you'll understand a little bit more about what love is and what it means to be loved and to love others really well if you're rooted in Christ. But if you're not rooted in Christ, there's all sorts of other things that can happen that get in the way of you being connected in meaningful ways with other people. Uh, For instance, you might think, going back to like that independent feeling, um, and a lot of what I'm sharing with you guys, I'd recommend to you a book called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, and and some of these things that I'm sharing have come from that book. Uh, But he says, you know, one of the problems is that we often think it's just not necessary, going back to this, like, I'm going to be my own person, I'm going to be a rock, I'm going to be an island, and, you know, friendship doesn't pan out for me, so I'm just going to do my thing, I'm going to be independent, I can handle this, pull myself up by the bootstraps and and sort of be strong and do life on my own, Um, and that's going to get in the way of you actually forming meaningful friendships, if you believe you don't need them. Of course you're not going to seek them. So one obstacle is believing they're not necessary. Uh, now I'm going to speak a little bit to men, and I'll speak to women too, um, in as much as I've talked with women about friendship a little bit, in particular give some things uh, that women have shared with me, but um, guys, I'll just speak to you for one second, and this is from C.S. Lewis from over 
uh, gosh, I, 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 you know, close to 100 years ago, he wrote this. So um, this may resonate with you and it may not, but there is a, a little bit of a, an, uh, an impediment or an obstacle with guys that um, C.S. Lewis speaks to. He calls it, he called it homophobia. I want you to take a look at what he says. The notion that every firm, serious friendship is really homosexual. Those who cannot conceive friendship as a substantive love, but only as a disguise or elaboration of sexual love, betray the fact that they have never had a friend. Ouch. Here's what C.S. Lewis is saying. If, gentlemen, when you start sharing things that are vulnerable and emotional, and you start connecting, or you start actually sharing things about your life and your feelings, or say, like, relational stuff, and you feel like maybe that's awkward because it feels homosexual, C.S. Lewis is saying, that's a problem. And in fact, if you are unable, because of that check, in a sense, to connect with other guys, you won't have friends. Does that make sense? It's a pretty harsh indictment, but what he's saying is our sort of, maybe it's like a machismo mentality of like what it means to be a man affects our capacity to, I've just told you, like you need to connect with other people in meaningful, deep ways. And I know um, in talking with some of you that like this is, this is a perpetual thing with, with, with men. It's this idea of like, well, if I start actually being weak and vulnerable and honest and, you know, feeling <laughs> and relational, it's going to be interpreted as something else. And, and yet, C.S. Lewis's point is to say, like, if, if that is the way you feel, then you won't have a friend. Because vulnerability is essential. We'll talk about that too. All right. So that's one thought, okay, one impediment. And maybe um, it's, you feel like it's unnecessary. Maybe it's Ladies, um, I'll speak to you for a second. I asked um, my wife this. I said, Honey, what do you think is like the biggest um, Im- impediment for women? Because I can't speak to like the female psyche as much, and I've talked with other ladies throughout the years to say like, what do you think? Um, this is one that has emerged as like a theme. Um, by the way, just last night I asked my wife again. I said, Hey, um, like, what do you think it is for women that gets in the way of forming good friendships? And sitting there was my um, my neighbor who's in her seventies, and they both agreed with this one. <laughs> okay, uh, it's possessiveness. I thought it was interesting. I wouldn't have thought of it. And here, here's, what, here's what that means. Um, the selection of a best friend becomes ownership, which fosters jealousy, control, and exclusion. This sense of you have to have a best friend. And um, so in, for, for some women, what this does is that, like, for you ladies, maybe what it does is, like, you've got to have that one best friend, and then you sort of isolate. And by the way, this is also true for other relationships in your life. When you, you start forming a relationship with someone, and then you you kind of isolate, and it's like you against the world and that kind of thing, and that's really unhealthy. Um, that's not a good start for forging meaningful friendships. And um, so as I understand it, ladies have a tendency psychologically to do this, to be sort of possessive and controlling. And, and I think guys will have this too, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not necessarily the case, but I'm saying like this sense of ownership and a best friend, and then you're my best friend, and then you stick with me and hang with me and me only, and then it becomes possessive. And that's a good quick way to sort of kill a relationship. Make sense? I don't know. Maybe that speaks to you. Um, and God did not make it so that you would possess and use other people. That's not the beginning of love. Here's another thing about ways in which men and women are different, by the way. Um, men, you maybe have heard this before, men typically 
uh, interact shoulder to shoulder with something ahead of them, of task or something, and women relate more face to face. Okay, that's just something to think about. Having a task or something to do as guys is helpful, and lots of ladies like that. Inter- both of those, but there's you know that's a spectrum thing. But like, um, here's an idea too. That's true for men and women, by the way. So I'm very careful to put two pictures up here. Uh, Gossip and backbiting. Now, the difference between these two guys and gals, gossip is when someone shares a secret with you about their life and they're vulnerable, and then you go and share that with someone else. That's not part of that confidentiality. That's called gossip. Backbiting is when you speak ill of somebody when they're not around, okay? Um, Both of those, if you're that type of person, now picture this. You guys have had this feeling. You're hanging out with a group of people, and someone starts talking about someone who's not there, either sharing their secrets, gossip, or saying something that's really terrible about them. The moment that happens, you have done something in that dynamic, guys and gals, and I think this is why Scripture makes such a big deal out of this, that it eliminates your capacity to be in community in meaningful ways with other people, to be in in a relationship where you can love others as you love yourself. Why? Because you're no longer trustworthy. Because the moment that you do that, guess what the other person's thinking? They probably are going to do that when I'm not around. Am I right? If they're doing that with me, and then I leave, well, that's probably going to... Because it renders you untrustworthy. And by the way, you don't even trust yourself when it comes to this. You, you lose your own integrity. Okay. I think that's why Scripture makes such a big deal in community about gossip and backbiting. Because it makes... This will be a big obstacle for friendships for you. For that meaningful connection in your life. Um, okay. Other obstacles, consumerism, um, this is just, an, I think these, this one and the next one are something we speak to a little bit in worldview class, but consumerism teaches us that nothing lasts, including relationships. If a product wears out or breaks down, we don't repair it, we throw it away and buy a new one. And we do the same with our relationships. How, how willing are you to stick with people instead of just toss them when they're u- no longer useful to you? That's an obstacle. Another obstacle to friendship uh, is maybe individualism. Friendships are imperiled by the haughty individualism of our culture. We seek our own private life with a private house, private car, private office, and not content with that, we want within our home a private room, a private cell phone, a private laptop, and on and on and on. And then once we attain all that and systematically undercut many of our interdependencies with other people, we wonder why we're lonely. If you cloister off into your own world with these things, you will severely get in the way of having meaningful connections with others. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. It's not how He wired you. Uh, maybe one other one, um, and I've talked with ladies who've said this is uh, an issue maybe uh, more for females. I don't know. Probably a male thing too, but I call this the pressure cooker when you put all kinds of pressure on the relationship and maybe talk about the relationship, talk about the friendship. We're going to be friends forever. We're best friends, BFFs. Oh my gosh, it's going to go forever. Like, oh, you're the only one that I have in my life, okay? <laughs> it's like, that's a lot of pressure. You know what I'm saying? And that can be a really quick obstacle to friendship. It's like when you put a ton of pressure on the relationship instead of just enjoying that person, getting to know them, hanging out, common shared interests and hobbies. Okay, so these are just things I'm throwing out there, guys and gals. Um, and the last one I'd say is too, like the inability to be vulnerable. Um, and I think vulnerability, if you want a good picture of this in Scripture, you know, 2 Corinthians, Paul goes in with the Corinthians and say, man, you guys, I open my heart wide to you. 
Could you please do the same in, in response to me? You can hear this plead from Paul where he's like op- just sort of like opening up and gushing with the people that he visits and he's just pleading with them to do the same because unless there's mutual vulnerability, friendship won't happen. And that could be really tough. It takes courage to be vulnerable. So what is it for you, maybe? Do you think it's unnecessary? Homophobia? Possessiveness? Gossip? Backbiting? Consumerism? Individualism? Going into your own world? Um, Do you put too much pressure on other people? Maybe wanting them to be Jesus in your life? Rescue you? Are you vulnerable? And, And are you able to do that? Those are obstacles to friendship. Maybe some of those speak to you. Think about it. I want to I shift and talk to you. Okay. All right, Goldie. Those are obstacles. That's all kind of downer. <laughs> How do you find friends? And this is, um, this is a tough one. How do you find friends? Um, and there's also this question of, um, is Jesus my friend? Uh, and here's what a friendship is to Jesus. You ready? He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I've never heard a better definition of friendship. Have you? You're my friends if you do what I command. Okay, in other words, guys and gals, um, Jesus isn't your friend in the sense that you often think of friendship. Are you with me? The only place we get that word is from just for clarification. When it comes to seeking friendship, the question is, okay, do I seek a friend in Jesus? Um, Is Jesus your friend? Ah, uh, not in the sense that you think of friendship, because if I say, hey, um, let's say I go to Dr. Carlson, I'm like, Dr. Carlson, could you go get me a, would you go get me a coffee? And he says, no, I can't right now. Well, you're no friend of mine. That's yeah, it's happened a lot. Yeah. Dr. Carlson, could you mow my lawn? <laughs> and he says, no, I can't. I've got a family. I can't do that. Well, you're not a friend. I mean, that's the logic of... So in other words, what I'm getting at, guys and gals, if you've heard Jesus is your friend from maybe this song, just I'm sorry if it's meaningful to you, <laughs> but if you've heard that, uh, he's not a friend in the sense that you think. Are you with me? Something else is going on here. Um, certainly don't worship your friends. All right, so here, how do you find friends? Is it in Jesus? I'm going to share a quote with you that has really... As maybe if, if you walk away with nothing else today when it comes to how do you find a friend, this has been very helpful for me. And it's a little harsh. Okay? It also comes from C.S. Lewis. And this is what he says. Pathetic people. Wait, C.S. Lewis, Christian, loving man, who simply want friends can never make any. Pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Okay, let me explain what Lewis is after here. If you walk into youth group, not because you love Jesus, want to know the Bible, and want to learn about God, you walk into youth group because you want friends. Guess what? Other people are there because they probably have an interest, hopefully, in God. And what are you doing? You're faking it. Is that a good foundation of a friendship? No. If you're there to find friends, you're not going to find any because you're going to find people that are interested in things totally different than you. Are you, are you with me? You're a fake. You're a phony. 
And it's true for a lot of things you might get into for the sake of finding friends, right? Um, I would say, guys and gals, I've talked with uh, some of you about this before, but like I played football in high school all four years. I'll be completely honest with you. I had a, it was fun, okay, working out and being in shape was great. I did have a great time with guys. The reality is I didn't really like playing football. I was fine watching it. I didn't like it that much. I like working out. I like joking around with the guys. I didn't like football. Why did I do it? Looking back on it, yeah, it's kind of pathetic. Not the, the people that I, that I, that I forged a relationship with in, in, through football aren't really my friends today because it's a different level of interest, different type of person, different stuff. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with football. It just wasn't me. And I was not being true to who and what God made me to be. That's a, that's a, that's a bad starter for a friendship. Are you with me? It's a bad starter. Because um, you, you should and, uh, and, and need, guys and gals, to pursue the things God has made and wired you to be interested in. He's made each of you uniquely, individually. Some of you may love football. Some of you may love chess. Some of you may love all sorts of manner. Some of you may have specific video games you're into. Okay, Whatever it is, you've got to pray, prayerfully connect with God and find out who and what he's wired you to be. Pursue something other than friendship, in other words. Pursue truth, goodness, beauty. Pursue Christ. And what will happen as a result of that? You interact with other people, friends will come along. Are you with me? It may not be today. It may not be next month. It may not be in six months. But if you are pursuing something other than friendship, God's call on your life. Look, how did I meet a lot of my friends in my life? I'd say a lot of my good friends work here at Southwest. Did I come to work here because I was looking for friends? Nope. I love the Bible. I love talking about it. I get pumped about Scripture. I wanted to share things I'm learning. Are you with me? That's, that's, like, that's deep in me. How did I meet my wife? I started a prayer meeting where we prayed over a chapel service, and I met her because she came to that because we both wanted to be people of prayer. Authentic. It was genuine. It was real. Other people, it may not all be spiritual Bible prayer stuff, but other friends I've met is because of things, me doing things I'm genuinely interested in, whether it's outdoors stuff or things. That's just how God has wired me, right? I, I needed to know, God, who and what have you made me to be? I need to pursue you and pursue that. And friends come along. The very condition of having friends is that you seek something besides friends. If you enter a room looking for friends, the foundation of that friendship is neediness, emptiness. And so your capacity to love is pretty small because you're looking to take. This is maybe a quote for guys, but if you take the principle as looking beyond friendship um, for something, for, for, for friendship, you will not find, this is going a little fast, you will not find the warrior, the poet, the philosopher, or the Christian by staring in his eyes as if he were our mistress. Better to fight beside him, read with him, argue with him, pray with him. In other words, seek God, live the life that God is calling you to, be who God made you to be. The thing that bonded Jonathan and David together is this grand epic battle, obviously, against the enemies of Israel, but also against Saul, Jonathan's own dad. 
um, they had something beyond the friendship to focus on, okay? Um, and a good illustration of this, probably a really compelling one, is the story of uh, the Lord of the Rings. One of the reasons that this is so compelling is because um, they're not looking just to be friends. They're on a mission. There's a battle for you to fight against evil in your own life. There's a battle for you to fight um, against injustice in this world. There's a battle for you to fight in finding out who God has made you to be. And if you pursue those things, guys and gals, um, and you do them with authenticity and genuineness, friends come along. They're not found by looking for them. And I wanted to just finish with, um, there's also a lot of times providentially, uh, I'll just finish with just some of these quotes uh, and then we'll be done. Friends are brought to us by God. True intimacy both begins and it must always be rooted in God's love. It tells us that any attempt to achieve intimacy apart from God is counterfeit. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses and the choice of the university and seven other, posting to different regiments, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart, but for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. And finally, guys and gals, um, when you pursue God, your capacity for intimacy and love to love others well, um, becomes possible. Without a God beyond the friendship, we foster dependence, unhealthy expectation, operate out of weakness and insecurity. If you um, know, in in the end, that like you need friends like we do, um, the reality is you're not going to find them by looking for them. You find them by connecting with God and pursuing what he's called you to be first. Does that make sense? I found this to be really helpful. Um, And I hope it's it's helpful to you. Um, let me say a word of prayer. God, in your providence, you uh, send these guys on different journeys. They intersect in the halls in different ways and in, uh, outside of these halls with others in their life. And I want to ask and pray that in your providence, Lord, you would bring them to a place where they know who and what you have made them to be. They would pursue it with wholehearted vigor, passion, and zeal. That, God, they would seek after your face, and as they fix their gaze on you, you would transform them to be like your son, Jesus Christ, and to be who you've made them to be, and to be aware of that, to be true to that. And God, um, if there are relationships and friendships in their life that need to be eliminated, give them the strength and the ability to say, um, that's not what I need, that's not what I want to become, that's not who I want to be shaped into. God, may um, each of us, through our connections and friendships, become more like your son, Jesus. May we display to the world a people that is full of love, deeply rooted in your love for us. We love because you first loved us. Thank you, God, for your love. We need it. We need to depend on it. Help us to do that. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening in on our Encounter podcast. You can find previous Encounter recordings and who will be coming in future weeks on our Southwest Christian High School webpage www.swchs.org click on student life and encounter again thank you for joining us and until next time keep your eyes fixed not on speakers teachers or institutions but on christ the author and the perfecter of our faith